Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. We are continuing today in a series called A Living Sacrifice as we study through the book of Romans, specifically chapter 12. And many theologians would say of the book of Romans that it might be the most theological book in all of scripture as it really dives into the depths of our salvation, who God is and what he has done for us. And really the summary of the whole book would be this. The first 11 chapters is the story of how God, who God is and what he did for us. The last four books of the book of Romans is now, what do we do in response to what God did? And so let's start in Romans chapter 12, verse one. This is our series scripture. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What do you do for the God who has rescued you from death? What do you offer the one who, while we were still sinners, still gave his life for you? Well, there's really only one thing we can give him. There's only one thing we can offer him, and that is everything, to become a living sacrifice. And here's really the working, the big idea of this series this month, and we'll put it on the screen. A living sacrifice is one who worships God's way and lives out God's will. Let me say that again, a living sacrifice is someone who worships God's way and lives out God's will. So here in verse three in chapter 12, Paul starts to make a turn. And this turn that he's making is he's gonna stop um, being so theological in his writing and he's gonna become very, very practical. In other words, he's making the shift from what God did to what we now should do. There's this quote by Douglas J. Moo. We're going to put it on the screen. I think this is an incredible statement. He says this, all theology is practical and all practice, if it is truly Christian, is theological. And until Christians own and live out the theology of the gospel, the gospel has not accomplished its purpose. You see, it's not enough just to believe right. You also have to live right. But the truth is right believing will lead to right living. And now this is what Paul is beginning to talk about. He's saying, hey, listen, we've gone through it. We've been through. This is the truth of who God is. This is the truth of who you are. This is the truth of of what we need to, how we need to put our faith in Christ. And this is the work that he has done for us. But now that theology has to translate into practical living. That's why a living sacrifice is one who worships God's way and lives out God's will. So let's start here in verse four. We're going to go through verse four through eight today. That's where we're going to camp out. So I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, would you grab it? And would you open to Romans chapter 12? We're going to put these verses on the screen, but these are instructions for Christian living, instructions for Christian living. So it'd be good for you to see this in your Bible. This is what Paul says. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. For if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. 
If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I titled the message this morning, Members on a Mission. Would you say that? Members on a Mission. Come on, let's say it one more time together. Say, Members on a Mission. Now, I grew up as a PK. Anybody know what a PK is? Pastor's kid. So I have four PKs in my house, kids who are pastor's kids. Now, now I, I've got a bit of an experience uh, to help them in their PK journey because I was a PK, but also my dad was a PK. And so what that means, my grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I'm a pastor. I think I have four pastors growing up in my house right now. Uh, we'll see. It's up to them, but eh, you know, they're going to do it, you know, so, but, 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 what, what happens when you've been generationally in something, you've, you've kind of got a deep insight into it, right? So like we have, we have families in our church, they do furniture. That's what they do. Their dads did it. They do it. Their kids do it, right? We have people who are military families, doctor families, restaurant families. And listen, when you're, when you're a, a, like a, a military family, no one knows the military like you know the military, right? Because it's what you've lived. So, so, so my family, we're, we're church family. That's just who we are. It's what I've been in. Church life is what I know. Uh, and what's interesting is when you grow up in church, you have a lot of perspectives that you get to experience throughout life. And, but one of the things that's really unique is when I look back on my childhood, I still remember in the church, very unique people in the body of Christ. And if you spend any time in church, you'll look around and realize there are some unique people in the body of Christ. But even just beyond just different, I remember specific functions and specific things that different people in our church would do that, that still ring true today. There was a, there was a lady in, our, in the church that I was growing up in. Her name was Miss Tony. And this was Miss Tony's gift. She had a gift of hospitality. And here's what you knew. If you were ever going through something in life, she was gonna bring you banana pudding. Okay, she, I grew up in the South, if, if that didn't tip you off right there. She would show up to bring banana pudding. It was her way of bringing a contribution, her way of supporting. My, my, when my grandfather passed away, she brought banana pudding. When my mom had her last kid, my youngest sibling, she brought banana pudding. When we had kids, she brought banana pudding. I mean, she'd been doing this for a while. You could count on Miss Tony. She was showing up with banana pudding. There was a guy, we called him Mr. Mike, and he grew up and he got saved in the Jesus People movement. So he was a hippie and, and, and he was just a fun guy. We grew up in a Pentecostal church. And here's what we knew. When praise would get wild, when, when people would start celebrating, we could just listen because we knew Mr. Mike was gonna blow a whistle. He had a gift for blowing a whistle in worship. And it was like clockwork. You could depend on it. This was his contribution. There was a woman that I grew up in our church name was Miss Debbie. And man, she could pray. And she would, if she found out something was going on in your life, she was going to find you and she was going to pray for you. And it got to the point where like, listen, you, you, if you were growing stuff through something, you were going to go find Miss Debbie because you wanted her to pray for you. She had a gift and she would contribute in that way. I had a friend, his name's Lawrence, and he was the friend with a truck. Everybody needs a friend with a truck. You guys know what I'm talking about? You need to know somebody with a truck. But he didn't just have a truck. He had the gift of a truck, meaning he loved to serve. He loved to help. If there was something going on, he was gonna show up and he was gonna contribute in his way. I, I, I'm really thankful because I got to grow up in a, in a church and be, as a young age, I got to learn the beauty of the uniqueness and the different qualities and the beauty of diversity and gifting that comes in the body of Christ when it's united. So Paul here in verse three, he's making this transition from theological to practical. And he says, listen, if you wanna be a living sacrifice, you wanna worship God's way, you wanna live out God's will, it starts 
in your service in the body of Christ. And so if you even look at your section there in the Bible, it says something about spiritual gifts or many translations say a humble service to the body of Christ. And so Paul is saying this, if we wanna be members on a mission, if we wanna live out God's will and worship his way, we have to, number one, this is the first point of this message today. We have to remember that we are members of a body. Everyone say members. We are members of a body. Look what he says here in verse four in chapter 12. He says, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Throughout scripture, you'll read that there are different analogies given to bring definition and understanding to the church. Like, well, what is the church? Is it just an organization? Is it a group of people? Is it, you know, so, so throughout scripture, you'll see that the church is given different analogies to teach us really who we are, what we are, what our function is. So we're, we're, we're taught like we're a flock or we are a temple or we are a bride. But Paul's favorite analogy for the church is to teach about the church as a body, as a body. And he, and he talked more about the church than any other writer in scripture. And so in Colossians, he talks about the church as a body. In Ephesians, the church as a body. In First, or First Corinthians, he talks about it. And then here in chapter 12. Now, what's unique about this one in chapter 12 is he's talking about the, the camaraderie and the unity of the body. In Colossians and in 1 Corinthians and in Ephesians, he's really focusing on the headship of Christ. Christ is the head of the body. He's the, he's the authority, he's the headship. But in Romans 12, which is what we're studying today, his focus isn't on the head of the body, it's on the members of the body. He's wanting to communicate and make sure we understand that we aren't lone believers, we're members of something. What's really cool is when we get saved, we aren't just saved from an eternal damnation or saved for a future heaven. The Bible says that when we are saved in that moment, when we give our life to Christ by faith through his grace, we are actually engrafted into a family of God. We become a part of this family that's global and spans both past, present, and future. It's the family of God. Upon salvation, we are engrafted into this family. I love the word members here that Paul uses in chapter 12 because it's the Greek word melos. And what it literally means is you are a part or the member of a whole. Paul is really getting it clear here to the believers. You're not just lone believers on a solo spiritual journey of finding God. You are now members of a body. You've been engrafted into a family. You are a part of something that is bigger than yourself. L. Morris says that in Romans chapter 12, Paul does not talk about members of one body. He talks about members of one another because you cannot be a member of nothing. Why is Paul getting into this? Why is this making this so clear? Well, I think it's even relevant to understand today because a lot of Christians will say, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Yeah. Or, hey, I'm following Jesus. I'm just not a part of the church. The problem is you, you can't follow Jesus and reject his body. Jesus won't be separated from his body. And here's the thing, Jesus isn't returning for a scattered group of believers. He's returning for a bride that is a gathered body of believers. I think my favorite thing about Paul using the body, the human body as an analogy for who the church is and what the church's function is, I think part of the reason I love it so much is because when he speaks about the body, he's speaking about the living nature of the church the living nature of the church. Because the church isn't just a building, the church is a people. 
And the church isn't just a gathering of people on, at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. The church is when the church is gathered for the purpose of exalting the Lord and building up one another. We experience God together. The church is not just an organization or a 501c3. It's the family of God, of which there are family members. The church is not just this historical entity that we can look back on and glean from and appreciate. It's the body of Christ. And in these various books where Paul talks about the body of Christ, he'll talk about the different functions of the body. Like, hey, there's hands and there's feet and there's eyes and there's ears and there's noses. And, and there is different functions within the body. But the thing that I really love that he's getting at here in Romans chapter 12 is he's talking about the connectedness to Christ. Because yes, we have different functions as members of the body, but we aren't just connected to Christ. We are connected through the body to Christ. You could say it like this. We aren't just connected to Christ, we are connected through Christ. Let me say that again. We're not just connected to Christ, and we are. We are connected through Christ, through the body. A very practical example is this. Again, Paul's using the human body. My, my leg is, is very connected to, to the head. It's very connected to my brain. There's a lot of communications happening there. The reason I can walk like this is because the brain is sending signals down to my leg. When, when my leg is hurting, it's sending signals to my brain, letting me know that it's, that it's in pain. But my, my leg is not connected directly to my head. It's connected to the head through the body. And that's the way God established his church. He engrafted us into a family to become a body because that's how he is connected to and nourishes one another. Go to Colossians chapter two. This is another time Paul is talking about the body. And Paul is giving context here and he's specifically teaching, this is what happens when a believer or a follower of Christ becomes proud in their walk with Christ and begins to evaluate the body and say, I don't need you, I'm good on my own. This is what he says happens to those people in Colossians chapter two. He says, they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. Why? For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. We are members of a body. We are connected to Christ and we are connected through Christ, but God holds his body together through joints and ligaments and he nourishes every member through the body. So we are members of a body. That's what Paul wants us to remember. Here's the second thing that Paul wants us to know, that we are uniquely gifted. Everyone say uniquely. uniquely. Gifted. So Romans chapter 12, verse four, that's where we started today. He says this, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, jump down to verse six. He says, likewise, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Listen, if we're gonna worship God's way and live out God's will, we actually have to know what God deposited on the inside of us for us to walk that out. And we all have these unique gifts of grace. A couple things that we should know about these unique gifts. First of all, they are unique. We are not carbon copies. We are not robots. We are not all people of the same function and the same gifting. The Bible actually says that each one of us were fearfully and wonderfully made, that we were knit together uniquely in our mother's womb. I love Ephesians chapter two. It says that every one of us in Christ Jesus were created for unique good works that were prepared for us ahead of time. We have different giftings. We have different anointings. We have different capacities. And God did that intentionally. 
The church is really, honestly, beautifully diverse when you look past the, the surface layers. If we were to go through the room, you would find this unbelievable array of gift mixes and personalities and life experiences and different knowledge bases and different interests. The church is beautifully diverse and it should be diverse. But it's important to understand the, the biblical goal of diversity because the biblical goal of diversity isn't just to represent things differently. The biblical goal of diversity is that we would be stronger through our unity. It's beautiful to be diverse, but we must be stronger and united through our diversity. This is what I mean. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about these different functions of the body. And he says, listen, if every one of us were eyes, how would we hear? And if everyone was an ear, how would we smell? If everyone was a nose, how would we walk? So on and so forth. So our, our diversity is beautiful if we're in unity. He goes on to say, eyes, you can't say to the hand, I don't need you. What good is it if we can see far and then we get something in our eye, we need a hand to remove the speck. He said to the head, you can't say to the foot, I don't need you. What good is it if you know everything, but you have no ability to get where you want to go? We can't say we don't need each other. In fact, the implication is we absolutely need each other in order to walk out the mission and the call that God has on our life. So we are uniquely gifted. The second thing is these gifts that he's given us are gifts of grace. So when it says, I've given you different gifts according to the grace of God, that word for grace is charis. The word for gifting is charisma. You have a charisma. It's a gift of grace. What does that mean? That God has given you that gift purely based on his desire to give you that gift. You did not earn it. So that means that my gifting doesn't make me better than you and your gifting doesn't make you better than me. Why? Because neither of us earned it, neither of us deserved it. So we can't take credit for it. Every gift that we have was given to us as a gift of God. And it's a marker of God's grace on our life. And I just wanna pause you here for a moment. Maybe you're sitting here today, you would say, listen, I see gifted people around, but I don't know what my gifting is. Maybe I'm not gifted. No, you are gifted. Paul says that gifts were given to each of you. That means every one of us in the member, uh, as a member of the body of Christ has a gifting. But if you don't know, we actually as a church have a resource to help you accomplish that. If you go through our grow class, which you can do online today, if you want to, you go to our website, click next steps, click on grow class. We have a gifts assessment test for you. A series of questions that will cause you to you know, give answers and it'll help funnel you down to go, this is how God uniquely made you. These are some of the giftings that you innately have, but we are all uniquely gifted and we've been uniquely gifted by grace. But this is the last thing I'd want us to focus on when we think about our unique gifts that we've been given. And it's exactly that. They have been given to us. They've been given. Now, we are responsible to manage our gifts and to steward our gifts and to maximize and grow our gifts, but we must not get it mistaken. We did not generate our gifting. Our gifting was given to us by God, by grace. But here's what I love about the word given in this verse. When he says, you have gifts that have been given to you, it's the Greek word didomi. The Greek word, everyone say, say didomi. And this word has two meanings and it's really, really cool. The first meaning is that God gives it out of his own volition. In other words, it wasn't our choice, it was his. But this is the second meaning. It means when it was given, it was given for the purpose of supplying and furnishing necessary things. Let me say that again. When he gave a gift, that gift had a purpose. It was him supplying and furnishing necessary things. Think about a housewarming gift or when, when people get married and you give them gifts. Why? It's because they need their place 
furnished. There are necessary things that you need in your house. What's Paul saying when he says God has furnished you with this gift? This is where he's connecting our membership in the body with this unique gift that he's been given. Because God is supplying for his body through the gift that he's given the member. Let me say it like this. God gives unique gifts to members to supply necessary things for the body. And so if you and I have a gift and we do, what's the reason for the gift? The reason for the gift is not to make me better or to prop me up or to advance my mission. The reason God has given me a gift is because he's supplying the needs of the body. If I have this gift, it's because the body needs it. And he has provided for his body through the gifts that he has put in the members. I wanna invite the keys to come up and join me as we bring this thing to a close. So Paul is saying, listen, if we're gonna be a living sacrifice, we need to worship God's way and live out God's will. And what's the very first thing? How are we gonna walk out God's will? We have to recognize that we are members on a mission. And that starts with acknowledging that I am not just a lone believer. I'm not just an independent person. No, I'm an interdependent person because we are members of a body. He's engrafted me and he's called me in. I'm a part of something that is bigger than me. You are a member of a body. And if you're a member of a body, you have to know that you are gifted for that body. You are uniquely gifted. What has God put on the inside of you? What's the grace he's put on the inside of you? What's that thing that you wake up in the morning and, and you just, this thing comes naturally to you. And, and, and what's the thing that when you grow it and when you, when, you, when you work on it, it gets better and it develops, you have this gift, but we can't just say, okay, I'm a member and I'm gifted. You have to say, what is the gift for? And that's the last point today. Number three is that we have been given gifts for the body. We are to use our gifts for the body. Let's go back to verse five in chapter 12. So in Christ, we, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that's been given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. And if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. We're members on a mission. Romans chapters one through 11 is all about the mission of God. Then Paul turns and goes, therefore, in view of God's mission that is finished and accomplished, in view of God's incredible mercies, that he would see us in our sin, give his life for us by grace and through faith, bring us into the family of God based on this incredible accomplished mission of God. Brothers and sisters, it's now time for us to embark on our mission. And that is to become members of his body that see ourselves not just as partakers or consumers any longer, but contributors into the family of God. And if God has saved me, he has not just saved me for an eternal experience. No, he has saved me for a reality right now. And I've been called into the family of God to bring something to the family of God. Remember Paul's emphasis in Romans 12 isn't the headship of Christ, though that is supremely important. 
It's the calling together of these scattered and divided people saying, you're not just members of your own groups, you are members of the body, come together. Begin to serve one another. You've been given a unique gift. You've been given a unique grace. You've been given, you've been empowered by God and God is supplying the needs of the body through you. So if you have a gift, then use it. If it's prophecy, then prophesy. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. Use your gift for the body. If you're not supplying the need, then God isn't getting what he needs to his body. He chose you for it. And I love it when he, when he, when he goes through the gifts, he, he, he lists gifts that require someone else there for that gift even to be used. He didn't say, I've given you the gift of reading a long novel by yourself. He didn't say, I gave you the gift to stay up really late when you're finishing your Netflix series. I didn't give you the gift of silence and solitude and being good in nature alone. No, every gift he lists here can only be exercised when there's towards somebody else. So he said, if your gift is to prophesy, then prophesy. Every one of us can prophesy because he's not talking about prophecy, predicting the future. He's talking about building one another up in the truth of God's word. And we can all do that. He said, if your gift is to serve, then you need to serve. Where else could I serve but the body of Christ? Come on, get on a team. Find a need, find an area that you have a passion and where there's a need and begin to contribute to the body of Christ. He says, if it is to teach, then to teach. And he's not just talking about teaching from a stage. He's talking about knowing how to share the truth of the gospel with anybody you come in contact with. Study to show yourself to prove, be ready to give an account for this faith that you have, teach. I love this. He says, if it's encouragement, then encourage. I think every one of us should come to church, not just going, what's the church gonna give me today, but what can I bring to the church today? Come on, how, what, what, what would a service like this be like if every one of us on the drive-in said, God, give me a scripture for somebody? God, show me how you want me to encourage somebody because I'm not just here to withdraw. I'm here to make a deposit into the body of Christ because I need to help furnish the body of Christ through the gift that God has put on the inside of me. I love, he says, if your gift is giving, then give generously. If you're the member of a body, you have the gift of giving. Come on, nobody likes that one family member that always shows up to Thanksgiving, didn't bring anything. No, I'm serious, if you're, if you're a member of a body of believers, you should be giving into that membership. I believe, my wife and I have a conviction that we believe that the first 10% of our income belongs to the Lord. And so, so we don't even pray about whether to give that. That's not even ours, it's His. We return it to Him. But then we say, God, how can I be generous beyond that? Because if you've given me the gift of giving, then I, I need to give generously. We're giving in a few weeks on our Build Together offering. And every year we ask our church to pray and ask God, what would he have you give? Because we believe he wants everyone to give something, but not everyone will give the same amount. We don't believe in equal giving. We believe in equal sacrifice. For some, a sacrifice will be a hundred bucks. For others, it'll be 10,000. I don't know, you, that's between you and the Lord, but, but we're here to build a church. We're here to build a community, a body of believers that can change lives. You saw that incredible testimony of Mike and Becky Brown. The church was open that day for Mike and Becky to come in and receive prayer because people gave, because people served, because people came in early, because people stayed late, because people encouraged, because people taught. Why? Because God is saying, I'm building a body to save the world and I've supplied everything that that body needs through the members. The members need to bring their gifts, bring their gift, bring their gift that he might establish a work in Southern California through members in the body. 
If it is to lead, then lead. I think we should have more people leading city groups because we have a gift to lead and we should lead. And I love that if it's to give mercy, then give mercy and do it cheerfully. I think we could be quicker at forgiving and showing grace and showing mercy to the fellow body of believers, to brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we have been given that so freely. God has supplied everything the body needs through the gifts that each member has. One final quote this morning by Douglas J. Moo. He says this, other Christians need what each of us has to offer. As the body is at a disadvantage without a foot or an eye or a kidney, so the local church is harmed when the full array of gifts are not being exercised within it. I believe that as a member, we have an obligation to use our gift for the building up of the body of Christ. Final scripture, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God's been very creative and diverse in the way he's gifted each member. It's our job to use that gift in its various forms to serve others as faithful stewards. Would you stand to your feet this morning? What's amazing is when God calls us into the body of Christ to become members, he isn't calling us to the, to the, to the membership simply because he wants something from you. He wants something for you. He's called us into a family. Can I tell you my experience is the more connected you are to the body of Christ, the quicker you are to a miracle. When you give into the body of Christ and you serve and you invest into building others, you are never far from a miracle. It's our connectedness to the body of Christ that brings us quick victory, that brings us help and encouragement, that brings us support and accountability and conviction. It builds our faith and it builds our hope and it builds our vision and it builds our clarity. Come on, God uses the body to meet the needs of the members. And he uses the members to supply and furnish the giftings and the needs of the body. We're not just lone believers on our own spiritual walk. No, we've been engrafted in. And Paul says, we actually belong to one another. So I think a holy obligation is a good thing. There's no, there's no shame or arm twisting in the body of Christ, but God calls you into membership that you might give and receive from his beautiful body that is well cared for and well supplied for by his great grace in his great mercy. The body of Christ is not a burden. It's a blessing of which you and I are a part. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I wanna pray. And here's what we're believing. Every, every Sunday when we gather, we are believing that God will build and add to his church. That God will bring more family members into our family. This is a growing living body of believers. The Bible says in Acts chapter two, that as the church cared for one another, he added to their number daily, those who were being saved. And so this morning, I wanna give an invitation for anybody who's in this room and you would say, I wanna put my faith in Jesus Christ. Romans three says, we are all sinners and need forgiveness. 
fact that you're here and even in this moment is not a sign of your good works because in Romans 6, he says that while you were a long way off, while you were still sinners, he gave his life for you. And Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved and engrafted into this family of believers. So this morning, if that's you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hands and we're gonna pray a prayer and believe and welcome you into the family of God. So if that's you, you would say, I wanna be saved today. That's number one. You say, I want to be a part of the family of God. That's two. And you say, today is my decision saying, God, have all of me just the way I am. Three, if that's you real quick, raise your hand. Say, that's me. I wanna give my life totally and completely to the Lord. Lift it up high. We wanna pray together as a church family. You say, that's me. I wanna be in the family of God. Okay. Let's pray together at church. Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died for me, to forgive me, that you've saved me. And now I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I wanna do this. Would you continue to close your eyes and bow your heads? I wanna pray for every member of this family because I'm one of you. We are the called out ones. We are the body of Christ. Put here in Ventura, California to be a city on a hill, to share the love of Christ with those around us that God might add others to this family of believers. But to do that, every member needs to bring their unique gift. And this is what I wanna pray. I wanna pray that God's favor would be upon you. I wanna pray that you would get clarity and vision for how he wants to use your gifting right here in the body of Christ. And I wanna pray for you, those who are feeling a, a, a conviction and feeling a, a, an impression that you need to lean in further to the body of Christ and to begin to use your gift. I wanna pray that God would open up your eyes and show you where and how you can use that. And so right now, can I just have every, everybody lift your hands if you feel comfortable. I just wanna pray a blessing over you. Lord, I thank you for this body. God, I thank you for these members of which I'm a part. God, what an honor, what a privilege. Thank you, God, for calling me out of darkness and bringing me into the light. Thank you for placing the lonely in families. God, thank you for giving us a pastor and leaders and teams. God, thank you for giving us a family that can come around us and refresh us. Thank you for giving us a community that we can serve. Thank you for the gifts that you put on the inside of us now. God, I pray that you would show us how we can use it. Show us how we can be faithful stewards of these gifts that you have given us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com and click give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.